So that nicely dovetails into the next question. Uh, and one I asked you two or three years ago, uh, which is when you were there creating the internet, did you ever write on the whiteboard privacy or ethics? We did not write privacy. Um, and I think it was because it was such an open environment. You also have to remember that this was being designed in a relatively academic setting. I mean, yes, it's true, the Defense Department funded this work. But the original ARPANET work was funded for economic reasons. Every year, they had a dozen universities that were studying artificial intelligence and computer science back in the 1960s. And every year, each of the departments would say, well, you have to buy us another world-class computer so we can keep doing world-class research. And even the Defense Department couldn't buy a dozen supercomputers every year for every university. So they said, we're going to build a network and you're going to share. And everybody hated that, but they said, we're going to build the network anyway, which they did. So um, originally, this was intended uh, to provide resource sharing. And it was an academic environment where sharing of knowledge was the norm. And we didn't have a lot of applications that exposed people's personal information. And even if it did, uh, this was a, a sufficiently homogeneous community that it didn't seem to be an issue. Ethics uh, was not a specific problem in the network environment, although I have harbored a great concern about software and ethics ever since I started my own programming career way back in 1965. Uh, my concern was that people relied on the software you produced and if it doesn't work right or if there are bugs in it and there are bad side effects that you should feel responsible for that. So, so ethics um, f with regard to software has become a, a big issue. Now it's an extremely important issue. The place where it shows up in the most dramatic way, from my point of view, is the Internet of Things. These are programmable devices that do something that control the outside world. Uh, and we rely on them. I mean, it could be something as straightforward as heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Maybe it's the security system of the house. Uh, maybe it's you know, an Internet-enabled refrigerator. Um, but it might be something more dramatic, like a self-driving car. All of these are programmable devices that uh, have the ability to communicate through the internet. And some of them, for example, a webcam, could be abused, and, and they are abused. In some cases, they have no access control, and so people spy on, use them to spy on your family. So, Internet of Things. Uh, my big worry is that people will become very dependent on the software in those devices, and there are two reasons why we should be concerned about that. The first one is it might not work right. And if it doesn't work right, the parties who have supplied that software should feel an ethical, moral, and maybe even legal obligation to, be, to assure that the software mistakes can be fixed. But I want you to think, just sort of think your way through this scenario. There is a device in your home. Uh, it is now known, you've been told, perhaps a friend has told you or the company has told you, there's a bug in the software, would you please download new software? Now this little device, wants to be sure that uh, it has not downloaded the software from a fake source. And so the idea of strong authentication that this little device is capable of doing to find out where did the software come from is very important. Cryptography may be our friend here, digital signatures to the extent you're familiar with public key cryptography could be essential 
for this device to say where did this come from? And second, has it changed, has it been changed on its way from the legitimate source to me in case someone has uh, altered it to put in malware? Now we've had a very um, sort of a poignant example of abuse. A couple of years ago, there was a company called Dine Corporation uh, which was doing domain name resolution for a lot of big companies. And so it was a service that they provided. They translated the domain name into an internet protocol address so that you could open up a connection on the net and get to the website, for example. So Dyne Corporation was attacked by 500,000 webcams that had been taken over by a botnet herder who succeeded at this because the webcams had no access control at all or if they did have any access control, it was a well-known username and password which was not modifiable. I mean, when you look at that and your first reaction should be something like dumb, dumb, dumb. Half a million of these machines were commandeered. They had video streams that amounted to about a megabit per second. If you do the math, Dyne Corporation was hit with a 500 gigabit per second uh, you know, uh, load which knocked it over. That wouldn't have been so bad except that they couldn't resolve the domain names for a whole lot of very important companies, so they disappeared off the net as well. So this is a pretty dramatic example of why security is important in this IoT space in a humble little webcam.